If I haven't met you yet, my name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here at the Village Church. And before we get into the message, uh, I'd love to actually share something with you. Um, this is <clears throat> an award from the DuPage County Chiefs of Police Pioneering Award. Uh, it's given to the Bartlett Police Department uh, along with the Bartlett Community Care Initiative. And what I want to do is actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this down because I cannot multitask. Um, I want to share with you the letter that the Chief of Police, Chief Ulrich, read to the Village Trustees just a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday night. Here's what he said. In 2019, the Bartlett Police Department and the Village Church of Bartlett launched an innovative program, not knowingly used elsewhere, called the Bartlett Community Care Initiative. This initiative is a result of several years of planning, discussions, and relationship-building efforts between the Bartlett Police Department and the Village Church of Bartlett. BCCI supports our police department's crisis intervention strategies and enables our department's members to provide services and resources to the community on a 24-7 basis through donations received from the residents, businesses, and church members. Although the program has only been in place for about 16 months, it has proven to be successful in providing department members with resources that otherwise would not be available. The first fundraiser was held in 2019, and with continuing donations, the following are examples of available resources. A cell phone with an Uber app that provides, uh, to provide to those who don't have the ability to get transportation to a mental health or addiction treatment facility, meal gift cards, gas gift cards, metro train passes, freestanding phone charging station placed in the police uh, department lobby, Samsung tablet with a mental health resource app for reference. BCCI is also, also utilized to assist residents with service donations, including hoarding issues, snow removal for the elderly or sick, yard cleanup services for the elderly or sick, fixing broken doors for the elderly or sick, assisting with emergency needs such as cribs, baby food, and clothing. Also, as a part of the Bartlett Community Care Initiative, VCOB partnered with a nearby hotel. Should a member of the Bartlett Police Department identify a need for a hotel, the police department can arrange a room with the hotel and VCOB is invoiced. Circumstances considered, including individuals or families who feel uncomfortable staying in the home due to being a victim of a crime or a death having occurred in the home. The police department is also a part of the Police Assisted Addiction Recovery Initiative. Mental health interventions are increasing and officers are referring individuals to mental health or addiction treatment facilities. But many individuals seeking help do not have transportation to get them to these facilities. We partnered with the Village Church of Bartlett to establish another way to help those in need of such services due to the lack of police manpower to provide routine transportation. Because the program has grown, grown well past its original idea of helping those in mental health crisis, BCCI is currently becoming its own 501c3 organization with its own board members. BCCI creates an annual report and engages in community service days throughout the year. Recently, DuPage County Chiefs of Police Association announced it was accepting nominations for its pioneering police award, and I submitted a nomination for the Bartlett Community Care Initiative to be considered for the award. The Pioneering Police Award is awarded to a DuPage County law enforcement agency, which has pioneered a totally innovative program, policy, or concept, not knowingly used elsewhere to further the professionalism of law enforcement and or to serve its citizens. The award criteria. Number one, the award is based upon totally innovative programs, policies, or technology not knowingly used elsewhere. Number two, the weight of the nomination is increased with the level of risk taken without, adding, without sacrificing ethics or safety and radical innovation differing from long-standing long tradition. 
Number three, the nominated agency must be willing to share with sister agencies the programs, policies, or technology which resulted in the nomination. Number four, the weight of the nomination increases with the commonality of the problem for which the program, policy, or concept was implemented. Number five, the nominating agency must be a DCCPA member's agency in good standing at the time of the program, policy, or concept and award. I am proud to report that DuPage County Chiefs of Police Association selected Bartlett Community Care Initiative to receive the Pioneer Policing Award. I would like to commend my staff, especially Sergeant Jessica Crowley, Detective Chris Johnson, police psychologist Dr. Cami Juswin, as well as the Village Church of Barlett staff, including A.J. Laredo, Scott Dick, Brianne Fueling, and Michael Fueling. He added me on there, but I did nothing to be a part of this, I want to be clear. And many other volunteers for this incredible community partnership that has allowed Barlett's police department members access to resources we wouldn't otherwise have. Sergeant Crowley and I accepted the award on September 24th, and after receiving the award, I had an identical award made so we, we could present it to the members of the Village Church this evening. Thank you for all your vision and passion in imagining this program and bringing it to fruition. We're proud to be partners with you in finding innovative ways, innovative ways to provide services to our residents. Um, we have a team behind the scenes, by the way, for the last two years that have worked to developing innovative technology and to meet real-time the needs of our community. You may not know this, but Barlett Community Care Initiative is active almost every day of the week serving somebody in our community. Our partnership with the police department has been incredible. And so I want to just ask you, um, for would you just give a round of applause as a way of saying thank you to the team that runs Barlett Community Care Initiative? That'd be amazing. Um, AJ Laredo, Scott Dick, Brianne Fueling have been the brains behind this and building this out, building the relationships. And God is just opening up really amazing doors so that we can love people tangibly in our community, in the name of Jesus, representing the Village Church. So when we talk about Barley Community Care Initiative, I want to just encourage you, um, jump in, get involved. If you have any questions after the service, my wife, Brianne, will be out in the foyer. If you know AJ or Scott, or if you want to submit something on our Connect slip, um, please do that. We'd love to help get you involved. But we have a day of service coming up, and it's just a tangible opportunity to love our community and to build on the momentum and the doors that God has opened. Now, Let's open our Bibles. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, if you would turn there. So in January, I taught a series called Together. Do you guys remember this if you're part of Village Church? It was a four-week series, and here was the vision for that series. To walk into 2020 together in vision, unity, and love now, when I, when I tell you our dreams for 2020, uh, there should be part of you that just kind of laughs on the inside because it's epically hilarious to me. So um, on March 14th, we had planned our annual vision dinner. We had been working on this for a very long time. We were so excited as a church and leadership to come before you. And uh, there were two big things that we were going to talk about at the vision dinner. Uh, the first one was raising about two to two and a half million dollars for a building expansion. Why? Not because we want to grow a big church. If we wanted to do that, we'd come before you and raise 13 to 20 million dollars to build a brand new facility. Our desire has been to grow small. But if you remember, um, our parking lot was maxed, our foyer was maxed, um, our facilities were not able to really handle the weight of what was going on. And so we came before you, and we prayed about this, and we're like, Lord, rather than grow big, we want to grow small. This is an easy way to do this, to provide facilities that are, that are being used on almost a daily basis to 
accomplish the mission of the church. The second thing we were planning on doing was uh, announcing officially that we were going to launch Village Church West Dundee so that we could continue to grow small. Uh, we have about a couple hundred people who are attending Village Church from out west, and we saw space was filling up here, and we wanted to have the best opportunity to accomplish our mission in people's lives, and we feel that growing small is the best way to do this. Well, that was March 14th. So on March 12th, I had to send all of you an email that said, unfortunately, because of this thing called COVID-19, we are unable to do this. We're going to postpone this event. How many of you have had like a dream that has died in 2020? Right? Honestly, I cannot wait for 2020 to be over. So today, um, I have the joy to launch a three-week series. We're going to do Together 2.0. And here's our vision for this series. To walk out of 2020 (laughs) together in vision, unity, and love. To walk out of 2020 together in vision, unity, and love. Now let's talk about the pandemic. Um, I'm going to put this on the screen for you so you can kind of just let these words sink in. But I want to share with you something um, I am growing to believe. I believe this pandemic has been the single greatest gift to the American church in decades. I can hear your response already. Pastor Michael, that is ridiculous. How could you say that? After all, never have fewer people actually attended church. Never have we been more distant relationally. Never have we experienced a greater mental health crisis Never have more marriages experienced such turmoil. Never have kids been so disconnected. Not since the Great Depression have more people been out of work. Never have we been more divided on the science, stats, and politics of the very thing creating so much chaos. Pastor Michael, how in God's green earth is the pandemic a gift? This is a gift because now we know. Now we know how durable the American church really is, for better or for worse. Now we know how durable the American church is. And we have also learned where our weak points are. So we've learned that most American churches are built on one of three foundations. And Village, I need you to think critically, carefully, theologically, and biblically about how church is run So I'm going to share with you three foundations that we find most churches are built on. Uh, The first, I think becoming more and most common, is churches in America are built on programs. Here's some symptoms of the program-driven church. People exist for the programs or the church and not vice versa. Programs and policies are more important than people. And you'll notice the organization or the church itself becomes the point. So let me just ask you a question. Are you here for Village Church, or does Village Church exist for you? you got to get that right, because there are many churches that if you walk through their doors, you will learn very quickly. They expect that you exist for them and their programs and their vision. Programs focus on large groups and events over, often opposed to, individual discipleship. And success metrics are primarily measured by money, and attendance. So here's what we've learned so far. Churches and ministries 
built on programs primarily, they do not have the durability to make it through COVID, much less something worse. Literally, anything where the program was the point ceased to function. This is a huge warning. Again, I'm not against programs. As long as programs exist for people, and the people don't exist for the programs. In fact, what we find is that many Christians, they don't know what it means to be a part of a community because they've only ever been discipled in being part of a program. And once the programs stopped, discipleship tanked. Most American churches are built on one of three foundations. Number two is platforms. So I break this up into two categories. We have number one, mega platforms. Uh, mega platforms, uh, there's very few people in the world who have the skills and context to actually build a mega platform. We've actually seen in COVID, mega platforms have grown um, exponentially. There are just a small handful of pastors and leaders who have the ability to do this. The vast majority, like 99% of churches don't have this ability, 99.9%. What's happening in most churches is that there's a very strong cultural pull to build what I just call mini platforms. And this is a powerful pull in churches. What drives these churches and leaders? How is success defined? Weekly attendance and downloads. Uh, I want to be clear. Uh, none of these are bad people. But there's a pull in American evangelicalism and American Christianity to build your church on either a program or the platform of a church or a pastor. So what happened in COVID? Because of digital exhaustion. Anybody have digital exhaustion? Churches that built themselves on a person... A pastor watched their online attendance, clicks, watches, likes, and shares dwindle after a month or two or three. And people panicked. Symptoms of a platform church. Spiritual growth is connected primarily to a pastor. Not Jesus with a local church community. When the pastor leaves or pulls back, spiritual growth stalls. The church is more known for the teacher rather than love through service. This past summer, I went on a sabbatical and one of the little things in the back of my brain that I really wanted to see and make sure was real, I thought it was real, but I, I, I don't think Village Church is built on the backbone of Michael Fueling, but that's been one of my desires for the last 10 years is, uh, you've heard me say this multiple times, Village Church has to be built on Jesus and transcend me or whoever is in the lead pastor role, has to. If we can't transcend this, we're not built on Jesus. I was so thrilled to come back after 10 weeks of being gone and I think 12 or 13 weeks out of being out of the pulpit. Like, you didn't skip a beat. And I'm so impressed and I'm so thankful. I'm like, Jesus, never ever let this church be built on a platform of a teacher, whether it's myself or someone else. We are, we are all interim. Jesus is permanent. He is the foundation. He is the, he is the cornerstone. But guys, don't you want something better than programs and platforms? Okay, let me just ask this again. Do you want something better than programs or platforms? Yes. Most American churches are built on one of three platforms. The third, and I think this is the best. This is my desire for Village Church. It's people. Churches and ministries built on platforms and programs, they do not have the durability to make it through 
much worse than COVID. Many of them could not make it through COVID, but churches built on people, though they struggled, the people and the community endured. Discipleship continued to happen everywhere that the church or the ministry was built and exists to build people. The first person, our foundation, is Jesus. We build this church on and for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor to him. Amen? Amen. And then we build it on you, people. We exist to make disciples, to build people. You do not exist for the programs or the platforms of Village Church. But I want to just be so clear to you guys. There is a powerful pull to run church in a way that makes church the point. It is powerful. It is easy to be blinded to it. And we have to really process what we do and evaluate on a regular basis. Are we building Village Church on the foundation of Jesus Christ and building people, not primarily programs or platforms? So what are we building? Programs for the sake of numbers? Please say no. No. Are we building platforms for the prominence of our church or a pastor? Please say no. No, we are building people for the glory of God. We are building people for the glory of God. And when we stray from this, which is possible because the pole is so strong and there are so many blind spots as it pertains to this, you call it out and say, do you exist for programs or platforms or do you exist to build disciples for the glory of God? So here's what happened in COVID. Uh, It has given us a renewed focus on the main thing that Jesus has created the church to do. So in light of this, I've been working on a strategic plan uh, in coordination with our core leadership team as well as our elders And we've been putting together a strategic plan that keeps the main thing the main thing. If you guys haven't noticed, the world is probably going to look pretty different after COVID than it did before COVID. And so even though the mission of our church doesn't change the strategies that we use, we have to shift and make sure that we are still accomplishing the strategy. So first what I want to do is I want to share with you the heart of our strategic plan. And then I'm going to share with you a couple high-level details. And over the next three weeks, we're going to do some training on what the main thing is of the local church. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. As you open your Bibles to that verse, I have a couple questions. All right. Out loud, answer me. Chevrolet builds what? Good. Here's the trick. Frigidaire builds what? Appliances, right? Is that a good general? Like, there's a whole bunch of them, but appliances. That's their general thing that they, they build. Do you want frigid, Frigidaire building cars? Anybody? Probably not. Craftsmen builds what? The local church builds what? People, disciples. This is what we do. We build disciples for the glory of God. So Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission. It might be one of these passages that when you hear, I'm going to preach on it, your brain kind of zones out, been there, done that, heard that. This is going to be a sermon on evangelism, and it's actually not. Evangelism is essential and important to the Great Commission, but that is not primarily what I want to talk about. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has died on the cross for the sins of humanity. He has risen from the dead, validating before heaven and hell and all of humanity in history that he truly is the son of God with power. He gathers his disciples. This is kind of the last words that he's going to say to them. He's making it very simple. Here's your marching orders. This is your job. This is what I want you to do. And I'm going to give you five words from verse 19 that summarize the entirety of their mission. Verse 19, go therefore and make, what is it? Disciples. All right. 
This is not an English word that we like use well or understand clearly. So I want to take some time and I want to unpack this concept because if I'm going to stand in front of you and say, we are committing ourselves to do what the church was created to do, which is to build disciples. There probably should be some agreement on what this term is and what it does not mean. So here is very simply, generically, here's what we know. Uh, the, the Greek word for disciple is mathetes, and it just simply means one who is following another's teaching. You'll notice if you're reading the New Testament, the word disciple or mathetes, it comes up on a regular basis. Most of the time, when it refers especially to crowds, it's referring to people who maybe are following Jesus around, but generally speaking, they agree theologically with Jesus. They're followers of his ideas. Now, are they living them out perfectly and wonderfully? Of course not. But generally speaking, Jesus had a lot of followers, a lot of disciples, a lot of mathetes. He had a lot of them around. And, and when Jesus' teaching got a little bit too challenging, what happened to the crowds of mathetes? They were like, you know, Jesus, your teaching is just a little bit too challenging for us. We're going to have to go do something else. But generally speaking, it's people who follow another's teaching, agree theologically. You're probably a mathetes of uh, some, we'll just say, preachers on the radio, etc. You listen to them regularly. You agree with their theology and their doctrine. They speak into your life. You actually don't need to be in a personal relationship with somebody to be the generic mathetes. You just kind of agree generally with what they're doing and teaching. Now, the Hebrews have a very specific cultural term and concept for a disciple, and it's very different than the generic cultural concept. It's this word Talmud, which I've preached on this a bunch of times, but I just think it's so cool and I don't want to get too far away from this because what Jesus is asking us to build are not passive, non-relational followers generically of a theological identity. Jesus is asking us to make a Talmud. It's very different. It's a student who is devoted to complete imitation of his rabbi. A student who is devoted to complete imitation of his rabbi. So let's do some Hebrew discipleship 101. Here's the first thing you need to know about discipleship. Disciples are chosen and they must respond. You remember when Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Why? Because a rabbi, he would pick his disciples. He would choose them. You couldn't just go to him and be like, I'm going to be your rabbi. Like, you, you actually had to be picked and chosen by the rabbi. Now you had the opportunity to decline. But in this culture, if a rabbi pursued you and he chose you and he asked you to follow you, he may, might say something like this, come and follow me. This is one of the greatest cultural honors for a young boy. And for you to turn this down would have been completely foolish. And so number one, what we know is that is that a disciple, a Hebrew disciple, is chosen, but they also have to respond. What I love is this, is that Jesus gives anybody the opportunity to come after him and to follow him. And the response goes like this. You place your faith in Jesus Christ, who is crucified for your sins and resurrected from the dead. Romans says, if you confess with your heart and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. This is where discipleship truly begins, is in your profession of faith in Jesus. It's not just agreeing with Jesus. And we had to catch this. Even the demons agree with Jesus' theology. This is about a commitment to follow Jesus personally by placing your faith in the crucified and resurrected Jesus. 
Number two, disciples imitate. Again, if you've been around, you've probably been hearing me pray and say this over and over again. A disciple, a Talmud, is committed to imitation of the rabbi in three specific ways. Number one, they commit to imitate the mind of their rabbi. I want to think his thoughts. I want to believe their beliefs. I want to think the way they do. I want to rationalize the way they do. I want my brain, my ideas, my theology to be consistent with my rabbis because my rabbis' theology, doctrine, beliefs, they live on through me. Completely committed to taking their ideology, theology, and making it their own and handing that off to the next generation. The second thing they're committed to doing is taking the passions of their rabbi, their heart. What are they most passionate about? What do they hate the most? If your rabbi hated something, guess what? You hated that thing. And if your rabbi was passionate about snickerdoodle cookies, you were passionate about snickerdoodle cookies. You took their passions and you made them your own and you handed those passions to the next generation. To follow a rabbi is to imitate their mind. It is to imitate their, their hearts, their passions. It's also to imitate their lifestyle. Rabbis had different ways of teaching. And so you would sit at the feet of your rabbi. You would watch their methodology, right? Like if, if, if I was your rabbi, you'd be like, he uses an iPad. I have his sermon template. I see the way he uses his words. And you begin to actually imitate the way, right, that guy teaches. You'll see this actually in churches where there are young preachers and there's a, a more seasoned preacher. They'll actually start to preach like that person. It's actually kind of goes back for centuries and centuries and millennia. And so teaching habits would even be handed down from one generation to the next. And so the disciples would watch how Jesus did the things he did. When did he pray? He got up early in the morning to pray. I'm going to get up early in the morning to pray. When he taught the word of God, he interpreted it this way. I'm going to do that. He told parables and stories. I'm going to tell parables and stories. Like they would watch the way he did things and then they would imitate it. And so the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And we have is this, Commitment to total imitation. Number three, disciples live in close relationship to their rabbi or with their rabbi. Uh, it was expected that as you were following your rabbi, you would be eating together, you would be ministering together, you would be in close relationship. It was not simply an intellectual exercise, but it was deeply relational. When you have all of this shared experience with somebody, you find your heart being knitted to that person and, and often they would travel and walk around. And, and so these tell me they would follow their rabbi and they would imitate and they would be in close relationship. And as, as, as years went on, they would find their hearts knit to them. If you guys remember the apostle Paul, he had a rabbi. He was the most popular rabbi of his day. His name was Gamaliel. And the apostle Paul actually did like the unforgivable. He changed rabbis. He forsook the doctrine, the teaching, and the lifestyle of Gamaliel, the most popular rabbi in the world at the time. And he committed himself to a new rabbi who was Jesus Christ and committed himself to imitation of the mind, the heart, and the life of Christ and a close personal relationship with him. This isn't just about, generally speaking, I'm gonna look at a picture and mimic it. It is about personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. This is the commitment of a disciple. Number four, disciples eventually replicate themselves. Now, I'm discipling my kids. Am I expecting my kids to replicate themselves yet? No, I'm not. I mean, if my seventh grade daughter wants to do that, great, that's awesome. But I'm, I'm really not expecting 
them at a young age to be able to do that. And, and spiritual infancy is a time for obsessive imitation of your rabbi, who is Jesus. But there will come a day when you are expected to now go replicate a little Christ in someone else. You are expected to go teach them Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is how the church grows. Uh, I want you to think about your spiritual ancestry and heritage. Who shared the gospel with you so that you could come to Christ? Do you have that in your brain? Who shared it with them? I mean, eventually, actually, everything goes back to Jesus and the apostles. Did you know that? Like, that's where your spiritual ancestry and heritage ultimately culminates. But someone, someone obeyed the Great Commission to go make disciples. Somebody obeyed the aspect of this commission, which is to share the gospel with people. And you are here if you place your faith in Jesus because someone, someone was faithful to replicate themselves. Somebody was faithful to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to you. I'm a believer because my mom told me the gospel. My mom is a believer because Mrs. Fisher down the street told her the gospel. That's where our spiritual heritage begins in terms of my bloodline. But it then goes to Mrs. Fisher, who was a missionary. And they were on furlough in our neighborhood and lived in our neighborhood for a number of years. And they started a Bible study. In fact, there were a whole bunch of women who all came to Christ because Mr. and Mrs. Fisher started a Bible study in their neighborhood with a bunch of good, moral, semi-religious people. And one by one, every one of those women and eventually all of their husbands would place their faith in Jesus. That singular family is responsible for launching the spiritual heritage and ancestry of so many people in Northville, Michigan, Lakes of Northville subdivision. Isn't that cool? One family. I'm here because Mr. and Mrs. Fisher were faithful. They replicated themselves. They understood that even sometimes replication is just meeting with non-Christians who are interested in a Bible study and beginning there. Sometimes the Lord brings a man or woman or a young man or woman into your life and and you commit to coming alongside of them and, and replicating Christ in them. Which brings me to our so what's. First, I I wanna talk about some so what's for Village Church and then we'll talk about some so what's for you. So what number one, as we move together into 2021. Discipleship is what churches do. So simple. We're thinking about a strategic plan. What do we do? We, we don't build cars. We don't build tools. We don't build appliances. We build disciples. So we've done in COVID is we've just taken a good, hard look at everything. And, it, and as this continues, we're continuing to take a good, hard look at everything. What is not enduring? What isn't persevering? Maybe it's because it wasn't built on the foundation of Christ and building people. Maybe it was too programmatic driven. Maybe the thing couldn't exist past the program or past the platform. So at the end of the day, when we think about a strategic plan, we ask ourselves, what do churches build? We build disciples. And so then we work backwards and we say, everything we do, from our staff to our budget to our ministries should all funnel in that direction. So why do we do this? Well, here's, here's one reason. Number one, we literally don't have permission to do anything else. So go back to, to, go back to verse 19, Matthew 28. He says this, go therefore and make disciples. Now, here's a little funny Bible study 101. 
Whenever there's a therefore, what do you say? What is it there for, right? Yeah. Whenever there's a therefore, you stop and go, what is that there for? And so you go back and in verse 18, Jesus drops a bomb on these guys. He says this, we're just used to it, but put yourself in their shoes. He just was just raised from the dead. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, this isn't a staggering statement because who has all authority in heaven and earth? God. Who is this man to declare that he has been given the full authority of God? Nothing short of God himself in the flesh. And so Jesus is making an incredible declaration. Now, let's just be clear. If Jesus stood on this stage and he said, Village Church, listen to me. Go, therefore, make disciples. Why, Jesus? All authority on heaven and earth has been granted to me. Village Church, what should we therefore go do? Make disciples, right? This is so simple. Do you feel the pull in the American church away from this to programs and platforms primarily? It's powerful. Now, am I against programs? Please say no. Am I against platforms? I'm actually not. I'm against those substituting for the main thing. The platform exists to make disciples. The programs exist to make disciples. The church exists to make disciples. Why? We literally don't have another option. This is the command. So who are we to build this church on a different foundation and in a different trajectory? We're building big programs. What? Jesus would be like, no, build disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Why? Because literally I'm God and I said so. Building disciples is a non-negotiable for the local church. It's not even an option. It's what we do. Now, here's, here's the second why. There is no better vision for humanity or for any single person. Becoming like Jesus is to become the pinnacle human. Not your dad, not your mom, not your mentor, not your pastor. Becoming like Christ is to become the greatest human. You want to become most fully alive? You want to become your best self? Become more like Jesus. You take his mind, his doctrine, his theology, his heart, his passions, the things that make him the most angry, the things that make him the most happy. You make those things that make you the most angry and the most happy. You take his life and you imitate his life. Jesus is the pinnacle human. The most loving thing that we can do is to help you and for you to help me be more like Jesus. So I don't want to look at you and say, imitate me. All I want to do is tell you is imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm gonna look at my kids and my friends. Say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Who's the point in that? It's not me, it's Jesus. I'm not making you a disciple of me. I'm making you a disciple of Jesus. You're not making people a disciple of you. You're making them ultimately a disciple of Jesus. Here's the second, so what? The future durability of Village Church is contingent on building resilient disciples. Now, I stole this word from Awana. I think they found an incredible word, resilience, this ability to endure and persevere despite trial and onslaught. Like, what a cool word. Don't you want to be resilient? There are a lot of programs and platforms that have proven themselves to not be resilient in COVID. And there are many, many believers who have proven themselves to not yet be resilient during COVID. There has to be a greater durability and strength and ability to persevere. 
which is why during COVID, we looked across our church, we looked at the country, we looked at what's happening in other churches, and we just said, we have to. The future viability of Village Church hinges on us making resilient disciples. So as we've shared, we've put together a strategic plan, and there are two big things that are going to guide everything we do. And our goal in this is to build enduring, durable, resilient, persevering disciples. And so here's the, the first one. Village Church's future durability depends on individualized discipleship. So here's, here's our commitment, and we are restructuring everything so that we can meet this end. If you want to take your next step, fill in the blank with blank, we can help you do that. We can come alongside of you. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. We have incredible people, disciple makers in this church, solid, awesome, love the Lord, ready to help. Anybody who wants to take their next step, you might be 80 years old and been walking with the Lord, and I hope you still want to take your next step. I hope you have not arrived. If you've been walking with the Lord your entire life, whatever that next step is, we want to come help you take a next step in your discipleship of Jesus. So we are going to restructure our staffing, how we think about the future around this end. We're committed to growing small so that those who want to actually grow are able to do that. Now, here's, here's the reality. I, I don't know if the answer to this is yes or no. I guess it, sometimes it's more yes, sometimes it's more no. Do most Christians actually want to grow and take a next step? Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, do you? Sometimes. But when you're ready to take your next step, whatever it is, we want to be ready to help you grow as a disciple individually. Um, there are some classes that are helpful, et cetera, but I think we just find that helping individually each person take their next step, committing to be creating an infrastructure of leaders and disciple makers in our church that allows every person who wants to grow spiritually that opportunity to do so. Which means, by the way, that our staff have to be equippers of disciple makers. Do you see that? We exist to equip. We can't do everything. The elders can't do everything. But what we can do is build an infrastructure that transcends a person in the pulpit. We can build an infrastructure that allows disciples, disciple makers to be there and people who want to take their next step in growing spiritually to be able to do that. You might not be a believer and you're just kind of searching. We should be able to help you take that next step to search out Jesus and what he says and what he wants for you. Now, what I'm going to say next is probably going to sound a little shocking, um, but in, you, you probably have noticed as staff have come off Village Church um, over the last year, many of that has been planned, um, we have not replaced them. Have you guys noticed that? So we are very understaffed, but as COVID hit, we've been kind of just watching to say, okay, what's happening here? And so the last thing we want to do is just go hire a bunch of people when we have no idea what is really going on. We've kind of gotten past some of the main stuff. We'll see what happens in 2021, right? Um, but what we're doing is we've, we've finally opened up our pursuit of new staff. We have seven open staff positions in 2021 that we're looking to hire. Five of them are full-time, which could just show you 
um, how massively understaffed we are. And in case you're wondering, what's that going to do to the budget? Um, we have a, a, this, a November budget meeting. Uh, Kirk, tell me if I'm wrong. Kirk's are over there. I think right now, 2020 budget is 2% under our 2019 budget. That may change by the time we get to our congregational meeting. Um, but that just goes to show you that we've been planning for this, but COVID kind of blew everything up. So we're not blowing up our budget to do this. We're actually just right-sizing our staff so that we can better help you make disciples. Here are a couple of the positions that we are, are hiring. And if you go to vcub.org slash employment, you can see um, all of those there. You can inquire for those positions. There's one or two that are not up yet. Uh, they'll be up later in the week, but we're hiring um, a discipleship pastor whose responsibility is to take all of our dis- adult discipleship ministries and make sure that we are creating disciples and disciple makers throughout Village Church. We're hiring a children's pastor. Tammy White came off staff a couple weeks ago, but hiring a children's pastor to make kid disciples and to partner with moms and dads and guardians to help you make disciples of your kids. Later in 2021, we're going to be hiring a worship pastor to come alongside of our musicians and and help create disciples who worship. We're looking to hire an administrative pastor because I don't know if you know how much actually work it is to administrate and coordinate. How many of you are grateful when people have gifts of administration, right? Right? We need, a few, we need a few more of those, and we need some people to help us really make sure that we are on, on, in, are in line and moving toward this vision and, and organizing this place so that we can best help you. And there's a lot of positions this, that we're going to be looking to hire. As times we're hiring a full-time communications director here just at Bartlett. Uh, there's a lot of things going on here, and so we're very excited. But all of these things are designed to make disciples, to equip you so that anybody, no matter who you are, if you say, I want to take a next step with Jesus, we're able to come alongside of you and help you do that. Number two, Village Church's durability, future durability, depends on digital discipleship. For many of you, if you're not in the digital world, you are now, are you not? And so what happened is in 2019, we put into the 2020 budget to hire a digital discipleship pastor. We saw that this was coming. This was all pre-COVID. We landed on Keith Anderson, who's just incredible, been what a gift to our church. And he came on staff in May, but we had planned that before COVID even hit, which I'm so, so thankful we put that into motion. If you haven't seen, Keith has built an entire studio in the, in the back, and we are building an entire digital discipleship infrastructure. In fact, in January, we're launching Village Church Digital or Village Church Media, and really it exists for one singular purpose, and that is to equip you to make disciples. We're relaunching the Village Church uh, Q&A that'll go on YouTube, as well as a podcast and articles. We're launching Village Church Mental Health, which is a YouTube training on mental health issues as it intersects with the gospel and the word of God, launching Village Kids Q&A podcast, launching digital discipleship training courses. And those are going to begin in early January. And you're going to watch them throughout 2021 grow as we're able to bring discipleship to you. Now, if you have not noticed over the last couple of years, it has been very challenging for churches to provide on-site discipleship on Sunday mornings. Have you guys seen that? This is pre-COVID, by the way. We would do these incredible classes and we'd get five, seven people to come to them. And, and here's the reality. Life has changed. And so the way we disciple and train people has to shift as well. Mike, Mike Boyle shared something funny with me uh, in our CLT uh, about a month ago. He, he said, he's like, Michael, what are you about to say that I said? He said, do you know why Sunday evening services exist? And we're like, uh, people wanted to like study the Bible. And if you, I don't know if you know this, but in churches throughout the last like hundred years, you would go to church on Sunday morning and then you go to church on Sunday evening, wouldn't you? And you'd be taught, it'd be in-depth teaching. And this is all over the country. And why did that start? 
electricity. That's so interesting. They could finally do church at night. And so what became a staple, this new thing about 100 years ago became now just the norm. What we're finding now is that it's even hard to get people to come outside of Sunday mornings unless they're in a group or they're serving in a ministry. And so we're learning is that technology is forcing new realities to, to take place. And so we are bringing as much training as we can to the digital platform. And we're so excited about all of that. Each of our future staff are going to be um, expected to be committed to individualized discipleship and digital discipleship as well. And these two things are going to converge together at Village Church so that we can best equip you to be a follower of Jesus. All right, let's discuss a so what for you personally. Your future durability depends on your personal discipleship of Jesus now. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of 2021. It's shaping out to be a pretty weird ending to the year. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in 2021 politically. I don't know what's going to happen culturally. I, I do know that eventually something worse than COVID will come up and you must endure. You must be durable and gritty and able to persevere which means that we need to grow as disciples. So I want to just come before you and say, are you growing as a disciple? You might say, Michael, what does that mean? The next two weeks, I want to invite you back. If you can't be here in person, watch online. We're going to talk about what it really looks like to grow as a disciple of Jesus and how disciples are formed. We want to give you really practical training so that you can use it in your personal discipleship of Jesus, as well as when you disciple somebody else, it's a very simple tool that you're able to use with other people so that we can be intentional in our making of disciples. So I'm going to stop the sermon right there. I'm going to say, to be continued next week. And what I want to do is I want to point your hearts and your minds to the cross. And in communion, here's what we remember. The pathway, the door to discipleship starts with the, res- the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to take a moment, and this is an opportunity for those of you who have trusted in Christ to remember and to thank God that all of the obstacles that stood between you and salvation And following Jesus have been resolved through the cross and the resurrection. And if you're here today and you have never personally trusted in Jesus, I want to just take a moment. I want to encourage you. Jesus beckons you. Come follow me. Be my disciple. Don't worry. We're not going to put you up front and make you replicate yourself immediately. We're just going to to call you to imitate Jesus, his mind, his heart, and his life. Is that the decision you want to make today? I want to just, I want to encourage you, make the decision to trust in Christ. And if if that's the decision you made today, would you just come talk to us, talk to somebody? We'd love to celebrate with you, resource you, and help you take your next steps with the Lord. If you've trusted in Christ, uh, we're going to have a time of silence. This is a great moment just to pray and to thank God for what he's done for you in Jesus Christ and all of the doors that he's opened for salvation and redemption and healing and forgiveness and relationship with him. If you're new to Village Church, you might be wondering, can I take communion with these people? Uh, The answer is if yes. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, we invite you, despite where you go to church, to partake of communion with us. If your kids are here in the room, you're wondering if your kids can partake of communion, mom and dad, that is up to you, but we ask that you just know that your child has placed their faith in Jesus. So let's have a time of silence and let's talk with the Lord personally and confess and express our gratitude to him.